Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for players of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly, often neither of those things, and this is another episode where we focus on a specific investigator. Joining me today is... It's me, Peter. Hello. Hi, Peter. How are you? How have you been since we last spoke? I'm, I'm great, yeah. Much, much better than the last time we recorded. Oh, well, I'm pleased to hear it. And yourself? How's everything going? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. The sun is shining and I'm worried about dark forces conquering the world. So, normal. So, spoiler policy is is on our blog. Just briefly note, we haven't seen the player cards from Blood on the Altar and we think this episode will be out after Blood on the Altar. So, if there's a if there's a stunning Jenny card in that... Oh, crap, I've, I've spoiled what the episode's about. Yeah, no, that's out. good, cut, that's good. Cut, cut all this out, cut all this out. <laughs> no, 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 I think that's a nice way of leading into. And if you didn't pick that note, we're talking about Jenny Barnes this episode. How, how can anyone trust me not to spoil, if I've, if I've managed to spoil <laughs> our own episode in, in the intro? Oh, I'm ashamed. Yeah, that's true, that's true. That's why we, we record these so far in advance, so <laughs> just... you just can't possibly spoil anything because we don't know any of the cards. So, so what are we talking about this week? What, what's going to surprise me, Frank? What we're talking about this week? I thought we'd talk about another specific investigator, and this investigator is our first rogue investigator to grace this channel, this podcast, and her name is Jenny Barnes, the dilettante, and she's drifter traded. So I'm going to dive in and tell you a little bit about her card and her signature cards. Please do, please do. She has so she's rogue coloured green. She has three willpower, which is pretty reasonable. Three intellect, which is, yeah, pretty reasonable. Three combat, pretty reasonable. And three agility. That's pretty reasonable. Pretty reasonable. Pretty, pretty yeah. reasonable. She has eight health, which is nice. And seven sanity, which is really good as well. And it says her ability isn't a free trigger or a reaction trigger or anything like that, uh, or even an action. It just says you collect one additional resource during each upkeep phase. And her Elder Sign effect is plus one for each resource you have. So she has this this strange passive ability that we'll come back to where she's just rich, um, which is quite fun. Her deck building restrictions, she's a Dunwich Legacy investigator, which means that she's restricted to rogue cards up to level five, neutral cards up to level five, and then only five level zero cards from any other class. And she has a deck size of 30. So therein lies the challenge with Jenny, what those five cards are and how they complement what you want to do with her. So already I'm quite interested by Jenny because she, she's a she's a dilettante, but she's also a drifter. Yeah. It is Pete Sylvester, uh, is Pete, uh, Ashcan Pete, that's the one. He's also a drifter as well. I think he's yes, also right. subtitled the drifter. So he's Ashcan Pete the drifter, drifter. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Wendy Adams is a drifter as well. Who is, sorry? Wendy Adams. She's the urchin, and her, yeah, her trait is drifter. We have three drifters already in the game. If they ever bring in drifter support, <laughs> those three will like it. Yeah, so, so already looking at Jenny, she's something of a blank slate. Apart from this little clue that she wants resources, it, it's quite hard to, particularly with those, that even stat line, it's hard to know. Nothing necessarily leaps out at you. And that's part of why I was so intrigued by Jenny, because of how blank she is. You almost can't build her incorrectly because, or build a deck for her incorrectly, because there's so little 
that she's wanting to do. You know, if you if you put nothing that gives you horror in an Agnes deck, you're missing out on her ability. But nothing that you choose for Jenny is not going to allow you to keep getting those two resources a turn. Different from the other investigators we've looked at in this investigator spotlight style episode that we do, I find Jenny really difficult. So so Zoe, Rex, and Agnes, I've, I'm all really comfortable deck building with and playing with. Jenny, I find a mystery that I can't unlock. So I'm as interested as all of our listeners in hearing what you say about deck building with Jenny. Because I, I find her, and you're probably going to say this as a strength and why you like her, I find her too general to latch onto an idea and then to build around it. Yeah, and that is something we're definitely going to have to talk about in more detail. Thank you for putting all the pressure on me to come up with interesting things about Jenny. I will rise to that challenge. And I'm just going to try and poke holes in everything you say. Perfect, perfect. Jenny would be pleased. So one question is, what are you going to spend all that money on? And looking at her signature asset and her signature weakness, give us some clues. So her asset is Jenny's twin 45s, subtitle A Perfect Fit. It costs X, which is somewhat strange. It has two agility icons and a wild icon, so nice icons. Item, weapon, and firearm treated, and it's Jenny Barnes deck only uses X ammo, uses X ammo, however we say that. So this means you can put as much money as you like on the guns, and they become ammo when you pay for them. So you could play these and pay four and have four ammo, or you could play them and pay 14 and have 14 ammo. And then it has an action, spend one ammo, fight, you get plus two combat for this attack, this attack deals plus one damage. So I suppose each gun is giving you a plus one combat from that, and they're doing the extra damage, and they take up both of your hands, which is important as well. That damage bonus, uh, the combat bonus is is reasonable. We use the... That takes it up to five. Yeah, we, the, the Guardian 0.45 automatic is plus one combat, and it's four ammo and one damage, and this is plus two combat and one damage, and as much ammo as you like. So just comparing it straight with, with that Guardian gun suggests that this is always going to come out better. And if you have more money to spend on it, you don't need to worry about one of the big constraints of all of the weapons with ammo, which is that you run out of ammo. And then her treachery is a weakness, and it's task-traded, and it's searching for Izzy. Revelation, attach searching for Izzy to the location farthest from you, which is interesting. And then a double action, you can investigate. If you succeed, instead of discovering clues, discard searching for Izzy. Forced, when the game ends, if searching for Izzy is in play, you suffer when one mental trauma. Have you ever been stuck with the mental trauma while playing with Jenny? No, never. So one of the things that's interesting about this treachery is it's very, it can be quite swingy because it can sometimes end up on a location where the shroud's very low. Some of the scenarios have quite small maps, so it's very easy to get to that location and clear it. And then because Jenny is a rogue, one of the hallmarks of the rogue faction is mobility, or there are certain cards that that provide mobility, and probably the best mobility card among them is Elusive, which allows you to move anywhere on the map. I was going to say, I, I, I can imagine one of the worst times for this card to hit you is in the Carnival, where it's it's always awkward to get to the location furthest from you. But like you say, Elusive yeah. lets you jump straight to any revealed location. So if you've been, at least been everywhere, then 
It's not yep. too much of a hassle. Or if it means if you if you jump, you know, one location short from it, you can then move in or, or, or whatever it is. So that's that's not too bad. Obviously, it does depend. It's very shroud dependent. And if you landed on a location that's for shroud, Jenny might have a difficult time with that. But the nice thing is that this can also be dealt with by other people. So if your party has split up and Jenny is off fighting people with her twin 45s, the clue gathering investigator, if they have a chance, can clear this for two actions, which is great. If you're Rex and you clear this, you still get a clue if you pass by two or more, which is great. Oh, yeah, of course, if you, if you succeed by enough. I hadn't thought of that. that. That's quite nice. Yeah. In one campaign that I'm playing, Jenny is partnered with Rex, and this is a task for Rex, not a task for Jenny, <laughs> whenever it comes up. Izzy is important as well, because Izzy is the reason Jenny's in the game. Jenny's received these letters from her sister, hinting at something malign, and the letters have now stopped, and Jenny's returned to the United States. I imagine she was sort of gallivanting in Europe, spending her money happily, but she's returned to the United States to find her sister, and obviously every scenario she plays, there might be a hint of where her sister is, and so she pursues that. So what do the twin 45s mean for my deck building? Uh, is, is this pushing me down Jenny being slightly skewed towards combat, or do they let me keep Jenny general and then use the 45s if I do need to fight? Good question. Thank you. You can look at it one of two ways. One way is that at some point in the game, your hands are going to be full. So the decisions you need to make for your slots in your deck are not lots of other things that compete with those slots. But as with thinking, whenever you think about wanting a certain thing in a certain slot, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to draw it. But having that in mind is a useful one. So if the other things that are in your hands are things like flashlights and switchblades or weapons that have small amounts of ammo like the Derringer that can be used up easily and then be uh, replaced by the the twin 45s, that's great. The other way of looking at it is going, that's her combat covered with her gun. If we're getting the gun in play, even with, say, six or seven ammo, that's set. And so I'm going to fill out the rest of the deck with other tools and other things I can do. The other thing that I think should be noted almost immediately is that the bonus resource also points towards a deck where you'd be using the talents that allow you to spend resources to boost any of your stats. So infaction is hard knocks, and you can spend a resource to get plus one combat or spend a resource to get plus one agility for a skill test. And if Jenny is going to be sitting on a big pool of resources, having hard knocks down means that she can almost certainly pass any test as long as she's willing to invest enough money in it. Well, this is the thing I, I find with those stat-boosting cards. Because I run hyper-awareness in Rex. So that lets me nail a, either an intellect or a, an evade if, if, I'm, if I really need to. But I find that having a big pool of money it makes you feel... lulls you into a false sense of security. Because that money can disappear very quickly if you want to be really, like, nailing tests. If you're aiming for two or three over the test with the money. Uh, yeah. that, that money doesn't last long at all. Definitely not. Two, two things to note. One, that strategy goes out the window if your basic weakness is paranoia, because you're <laughs> just scuppered then if you have that. Or to a certain extent, if you're indebted, you need, you need to think really carefully about how you're going to get out of 
any resource hole that you end up in. And the second thing is exactly what you say, that if you're not careful, you go plus four for every test and avoid drawing the tentacle token, and that's great. And within two or three tests, you're broke. And Jenny alleviates that to a certain extent because she's getting more money each turn. But if you're not careful, that money is gone. That's where her being a rogue, I think, really starts to shine because the rogue cards are often about gambling. There was a really great interview the Mythos Busters podcast did with Nate French, and he really likes the rogue class and he likes this element of gambling. He's a poker player, isn't he? He he loves poker. He is, yeah, yeah. So that we see that sometimes in if you succeed by a certain amount, get an effect. So there are weapons that do that in in rogue, and then there are also just a lot of cards that may be a situational or tricksy. So I'm thinking here of backstab and sneak attack, say. They both provide good damage, but they provide it in different ways. And knowing when's the time to evade and then drop the sneak attack, or when's the time to backstab and put your money into your agility to get three damage, that can be a really pleasurable challenge. I'm I'm using my hands now as though they're kind of puzzle pieces and I'm trying to fit them together. Working out how that works is is really enjoyable. When in our adaptable and delve too deep episode, I was talking about adaptable and Jenny and Jenny being the master of having a really carefully tinkered deck that allows a sort of a solution for any problem. Anyway, going back to those talents and the just I'm gonna use money to get through any problem. Because she can take cards from any other class up to five, one possible way of building Jenny is to take two copies of Arcane Studies, which is the mystic talent, and that allows you to boost will and intellect. So between Hard Knocks and Arcane Studies, you can boost any of her statistics to whatever you need them to be. Then it is about managing your money and making sure that you don't spend so much money just passing tests that when you draw your twin 45s you've got no money even to play them or put any ammo on them because you're broke but that so that is definitely a challenge so so do you find then that you're if you're relying on those talents more you, you miss the cards that improve the basic actions if you see what i mean so your say your bachetti which deals extra damage or your deductions, which get, you gain extra clues. Are those the kind of things that you feel like you're missing then? You can do anything, but not as well as someone who's good at it. I think it all comes back to this idea of of gambling. So you might, instead of spending a bunch of money to be plus, plus four over a test, you'll maybe spend in one resource to make sure that you're plus two. And yeah. you're, that normally is guaranteed, gives you a very good shot at success and you're rolling the dice in that way. So... One of my Jenny decks does actually run Machete because this was before I knew about the upgraded Switchblade because Machete gives you that reliable bonus. I was playing solo, so she's swinging at four and doing two damage, and that's okay. And with Hard Knocks down, I can maybe make her swing at five, and I'm I'm pretty happy at that. Maybe six if it's a big enemy. The other thing I often end up taking in Jenny is all of the neutral skill cards. So taking taking eight of those, one for each stat, because that means that they'll draw me through my deck into the fun rogue tricks, but also whatever test I take, I can take it at five if I want to, if I need to. If I'm about to backstab, I can throw in a 
uh, manual dexterity and pay one on hard knocks and I'm taking the test at six, which is great. Or if I'm hit by a nasty treachery, I can put down a guts and pay one on the arcane studies and take that test at six. Yeah. So there's a lot of flexibility built in with that that I like a lot. The other thing to think about with Rogue is, of course, Leo De Luca is in faction. And Jenny is the best placed investigator to afford paying for him. So you can get Leo down early, if you're lucky. Dig yourself out of the hole that Leo puts you in fairly quickly because Jenny's generating resources. And you've got more actions to be being average at. And it, I mean, it does depend how you feel about Jenny at that point. If you feel like she's not quite good enough at anything, then you'll be spending four actions a turn rather than three feeling that way. And if you feel like I do, that she has a way of kind of pulling through, then you'll feel like that for the same yeah. time. Let's talk a bit more about off-class cards, because you mentioned deduction. I think that's a really interesting one. I, I actually ended up for a while taking one Dynamite Blast. Again, she can afford the cost. It's it's good damage with Elusive, that that really nice combo that we know from the corset days of Elusive Dynamite Blast to position yourself away from enemies but able to, to hit them all at the same time. That was a really cool little combination that Schizo Tool enjoyed doing. Yeah. I've also, for a while, with Adaptable, been just toying with sort of chucking in all sorts of different things. So I've been running Delve Too Deep, for a while and I have been running two machetes in a more combat oriented Jenny but now that the Switchblade 2 I'm actually thinking about swapping those for bandoliers because I can then get the guns down and also have something in another hand if I wanted a flashlight or a Switchblade or something like that and that just gives me that versatility if I invest in it. So we, we, we talked about this during our adaptable our adaptable podcast a few weeks ago and we we mentioned the possibility of a, a Jenny build which took two adaptable and then could pretty much swap all of her out of faction cards between every game, just sticking with one. Yeah. Do you think that's something you you could build around and then make a, a, a an exceptionally flexible Jenny deck? This this comes exactly down to what role you play within the group of investigators. So if it feels like you have a very designated role in my Rex and Jenny campaign, I am the bodyguard, so I'm all basically combat-oriented, then that's fine. But if you're in a group where you're the, maybe the fourth investigator and they've already got clue gathering and combat locked down with other investigators, then yeah, you can have this wonderful time sort of being a jack-of-all-trades and enjoying being a jack-of-all-trades. There's, I mean, there are other cards that are worth thinking about in Jenny, there's contraband, which allows you to double the number of uses on various items. It's ammo or supply, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it costs four, so it's not cheap to do. But, again, she's the person that can afford it better than anyone else. There's also liquid courage in faction. So she could start to take on a support role where she's moving around a bit and healing horror off investigators. We found Liquid Courage is one of those cards where it maybe didn't seem like much at first, but whenever it shows up, we're always glad to see it. Yeah, we, we had a notable moment in a recent game in, in Essex County Express where I was in the, the engine car, yeah. yeah, desperately trying to restart the train, but my, my two colleagues were sitting in the, in the, 
the first coach just getting drunk. <laughs> Good. Yeah, really nice. Um, I recently played Zoe and Rex pair, and Rex took Liquid Courage and Zoe took Emergency Aid, and between the two of them, they were just cruising through scenarios with no damage and no horror, because both of those cards you can play on other investigators, so they were sort of both sipping from this hip flask that Rex had brought along, and Zoe was every so often tossing him some bandages, which is just great. Fantastic. So so Jenny could go down that route as well, of a sort of reliable, for most situations, investigator, but who also has, has packed out with some kind of support. You could think about taking things as well with Jenny, like Ward of Protection, just to shield yourself from a nasty treachery, or you could go down the more evade route and take Cat Burglar and just really push her mobility and look at things that really boost her agility and play off that. So as soon as your agility's higher, sneak attack becomes much more favourable, but also using backstag to attack gets more favourable. So maybe you've been taking weapons out of the deck at that point and putting in the rogue tricks that enjoy playing off agility. The other thing I think about Jenny that I didn't immediately think, but the more I think about her, it strikes me, is that Schizo Tool has two willpower and four agility, and she has three and three, but otherwise they're they're identical in the stat line. And definitely in the core set times before Dunwich came out, I I didn't moan, but I also didn't hear anyone else moaning about Schizo Tool's stats he has three intellect and three combat and that's that's good you're happy with that those are the the core things that you're doing and his weakness was that he wasn't wasn't very good at willpower yeah but, uh, with skids you ca- you can take those say the beat cop and as many machetes as you want without worrying too much so it's probably yeah. easier to take skids in a combat direction while harder to make him to take him in other directions Yes, exactly. There's a, there's a more obvious path for skids to go. Yeah, and for Jenny, it's definitely predicated on what your role is and how you want to perform that role. Which again, I think is... That, that to me seems congruent with the theme of her being rich and maybe somewhat versatile. Even the flavour text on her twin 45s implies that she's taken the guns off someone else, either bought them or used her wiles to to take control of them and because she's a rogue she can be a burglar if she wants to be and she can be a gambler i think that's yeah that's that's really interesting that that you realize that this investigator is maybe for her resources aren't necessarily just cold hard cash but also that she's she's very good on her own at dealing with any situation yeah yeah so should we talk about upgrades then uh so yeah where do, where do you typically spend experience on Jenny? What are your first picks? I, having said that it's great that she can get out of the Leo De Luca hole by spending six resources, I do still like spending one XP and taking upgraded Leo De Luca where the cost is reduced by one. The other thing that is wonderful in Jenny is Hot Streak for four experience, which is pay three and get ten, so plus seven. She doesn't necessarily need it because she has so much money anyway, but it's also just a really powerful first turn card. And I've in one deck I've replaced Easy Mark 
two hot streaks so that just I get that boost of money and if I've done something like play hard knocks or arcane studies and spent a lot of money on them when I start to get low hot streak just gives me that sort of second wave to ride and it can power me through the second half of the scenario or something like that we're already at the point where all the classes are starting to get spoilt for choice though because there's also as well as leo there's also cat burglar and hired muscle which both provide stat boosts they each only cost one xp and then there's also shaw gamble which is an incredible card and you know the the classic for turning failure into success yeah and the new switchblade is great because it's fast it only costs one to play it's the same combat boost as her twin 45s with slightly less reliable damage but you know that's also a really good option so yeah it's, it's tricky actually there are a lot of lot of choices for her the, the other thing I, I sort of maybe haven't mentioned enough is if you want to go down the investigation route with jenny you could take dr milan christopher and get a static boost and then you investigate at four which is good and you're getting resources out of having dr milan and so then you're again you're using those resources on expensive events or being tricksy in some other way which is really good and that also maybe hints at the idea that she might quite like charisma there's so many nice rogue allies that maybe maybe charisma and having leo and another ally could be reasonable yeah it, it, charisma is definitely one of the or rather jenny's one of the first investigators that springs to mind when i think of charisma i think anyone who takes leo because leo is such a such a great generally useful ally that you want to stay and play i think anyone who 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 could take him immediately likes looking at charisma especially when you're considering the campaign we've got at the moment is dropping yeah. story allies on you. So Armitage and Morgan and Rice. Yeah. And she likes any of those allies as well. So if she has Leo and one of those allies, you could do worse than get Charisma and maybe pay another couple of experience points for the Cat Burglar or the Hired Muscle. And then you've got five allies in your deck at that point. Sure. And charisma becomes really useful. Yeah. And potentially even pick up a second Charisma at some point. Yeah, just be the way that Jenny is winning scenarios is that she has a lot of other people there to help her. Yeah. yeah, She's not doing it on her own at all. That's, I think that's most of my Jenny thoughts. I'm not sure if they've been that incisive. You know, it's definitely been interesting hearing your point of view on Jenny. As I say, I've not had a huge amount of luck building decks with her. I've picked up decks I've seen online and tried them. But uh, when it comes to deck building... Yeah, I, I don't really see that thing to latch onto to build a deck around it. But the way you've described it really is that it's, it's almost a strength. It, it gives you a lot more freedom to build in a direction yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think the rogue cards are like that as well. There are quite a lot of rogue cards. I'm thinking of, you know, Think on Your Feet and Elusive and Sneak Attack and Backstab. They all have two icons. They've all got a, a sort of a range of icons. So as long as you have cards in your hand, you can you can be very flexible in that way. I often find in a scenario I'm chucking a, a hard knocks or an arcane studies or a machete for its icon, which is again something maybe we don't talk about enough. As long as your hand is full of cards, you don't necessarily have to pay resources to to boost using the talents. You can just be chucking cards in and 
and and that's something I find really enjoyable is working out at what point do you like Leo De Luca for the intellect icon to pass the uh, searching for Izzy weakness test rather than to play him. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's no hard and fast point, which is what makes it enjoyable. The other thing I found with Jenny, this is just a sort of, you know, fun experiences. I've I've had searching for Izzy come out and an impressive number of times where the location that she's been on has then been destroyed, so the card's been discarded. Yeah. So in House Always Wins, it came out when I was in the club and it and furthest away from La Bella Luna. And then the agenda ticked over and the Bella Luna was removed from the game. So that was that was it cleared. And in Essex Sounds Express it happened where I was maybe three carriages up the train and so it was closer to put it on the back of the train than in the engine car which yeah. meant it then was destroyed as well, which is great. Do you like rogue guards? Where do you fall on the... There's a lot of them I really like. Elusive, I really like. I I, I sort of mm. like how they fit into other factions more than, than playing rogue. Rogue is yeah. certainly my least played class. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I see some of the stuff they get, and I, I really like it. Uh, but I'm typically thinking of how it fits into, into other classes. I think Elusive is what, yeah. one of okay. my favourite cards in the game. And I think yeah, there's certainly some of the other cards that that I like that as well. Like my my Rex deck, when I first put it together for Dunwich, actually had five rogue cards. It's out of out of faction cards, so I had two burglary, yeah. two elusive, and think on your feet. Ultimately, I think I yeah. dropped think on your feet for dodge. Yeah. But yeah, the, the the burglary as well. I I really like that. It's just you know I'm I'm one of those scumbags who prefers to use those cards out of faction. <laughs> No, there's nothing scummy about it. That's, I think, a sign of the strength of the faction. I, I like in this game as well that all of the investigators now were reaching this point where if you just drop in all of the cards they can use, that's not going to make you a reasonable deck. And being selective about what tools you take from the faction yeah. can be the difference between success or failure. So I don't run burglary in, in most Jenny builds because she doesn't need the money. Yeah, quite. And because she's not necessarily doing lots of investigating, she doesn't have the spare actions to do more. Similarly, I don't run pickpocketing because I normally reach a point where I'm going to fight enemies rather than evade them. But I've been running a very fun Schizo Tool pickpocketing deck recently. So, you know, it's, it's still a reasonable card. It's just, it has to have the, you have to find the right space for it. Cool. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, we're Drawn to the Flame. You can find us on Twitter, we're Drawn to the Flame Podcast. You can email us, Drawn to the Flame Podcast at gmail.com. You can find Peter everywhere. He is. I'm United, so I'm on uh, Reddit. I run. Uh, the, well, the subreddit. I run the Card of the Day thread over there. I'm on the Discord. The, the Discord? The Discord as United. And yeah, board game geek and Twitter. Yeah, I'm everywhere. I'm FB on Twitter. That's E P H underscore B E E. I'm Zooey Glass on Discord. I'm Zozo on Arkham DB. I'm Zooey Glass again on FFG. Come say hello to either of us. Let us know what you'd like to hear next. That'd be great. And yeah, thank you very much for listening. Tell a friend. Thank you. Bye.
So this is a tiny bonus addendum to our Jenny episode. Right at the start of that episode, Peter said that we were recording it before Blood on the Altar came out, and if there were any good cards for Jenny, we'd have to just not not worry about them, and we'd skip that part in our episode. As has happened, there are some very good cards for Jenny in Blood on the Altar, so Peter and I have decided that we'll just jump in and talk about those cards. And fortunately, I'm joined by Peter. Hello, hello, how are you? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I'm excited to talk about these cards. Yeah, me too, me too. We we, we did predict that there was going to be some some cool uh, rogue cards, or sort of said that we'd have to come back if there's some cool rogue cards, and we've got exactly that, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think the first time as well that I've so quickly put a card into a deck and just jumped in and tried it out. Um, I did actually play an Ashcan Pete deck first, but yeah, I basically had a Jenny deck sitting ready, waiting to go almost immediately after opening the pack. Such was my excitement. So which of the two cards was that? That was Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf. What does it do, Frank? Tell me. So it's a a one-cost asset, has an agility icon, it's a talent, and it's limit one per investigator. And then it has a reaction trigger, which is when your turn begins, if there are no other investigators at your location, gain one resource. I talked about this on my first look uh, episode, and I was sort of just generally quite impressed. But also given what you've just heard from our Jenny episode... We've talked quite a lot about how Jenny can fill a kind of every woman role and do all sorts of different things, and this feeds into that so nicely. So you you said this card went straight into your deck, pretty much without hesitation. That implies almost that the card has been designed for that deck, or you had a a card like this in mind when you were building it, and now it's just appeared to fill that, that hole. Yeah, I think if you're playing a deck style where you're not using your resources for huge purchases necessarily, apart from, say, Jenny's guns, but instead you're using a lot of your resources in a drip fashion where you're maybe paying one or two to talents to for the ones that boost skills, and you're trying to just do a bit of boosting work. Anything that gives you more drip economy is amazing, and we've not really seen anything yet like Lone Wolf so far in this game. The closest analogous card really is something like Forbidden Knowledge, which gives us a one credit turn drip. But obviously that's, first of all, that's limited, so it's only got four charges on it. And also that gives us horror, so no one really wants to use that except for Agnes. Yeah, quite right. Sorry, this is off topic for the for the episode, but I have considered this in a Zoe deck together with Fireaxe because I think that Drip Economy feeding into the Fire Axe or other stat-boosting cards, I think that's that's quite quite a cool uh, little synergy there. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a good synergy. The other thing that this has made me realise in playing is, as Jenny, I'm getting two resources just naturally a turn, and then another resource at the start of the turn if I'm by myself. So I'm getting the equivalent over that upkeep to my next investigators phase of playing an emergency cash I'm getting three resources and at that point I no longer want to play emergency cash because actually the three resources is all I need and you can see maybe Zoe in your example also moving to a similar point where she's getting one resource in upkeep 
one resource at the start of her investigative phase and maybe a resource in the mythos phase for engaging an enemy. And you don't want to be generating any more money than that if you want to be reliably getting the damage bonus from the fire axe. You're sort of happy to stay at that level of zero to three resources. So you've you've played with Lone Wolf then. Uh, was that with another investigator as well? So that was solo, which obviously I think is the most reliable way that you're going to make money out of Lone Wolf because you're never going to have to worry about being in a different place. I definitely can picture Jenny as the fourth investigator in a party of four also going off and Lone Wolfing. She maybe wouldn't as reliably get money from this but she'd be getting enough to make it worthwhile solo it's just it's just great yeah it it certainly depends on the scenario if you're playing multiplayer so if we pick core set scenarios something like midnight masks it's very easy to go away by yourself uh guessing in the the gathering for instance there's far fewer scenario uh, far fewer locations so yeah harder to pick up that extra cash in the third scenario in the corset in the devourer below, because there are the four different woods locations, ideally your first action would be to move away somewhere else and sort of say, don't follow me, guys. I'm, I'm going off on my own. So th- there's definitely options there. In the first look episode, I mentioned, you know, some scenarios like Essex County Express are very limited in where you can be separate from other investigators. So this wouldn't necessarily work. I think in four player you'd need to you'd need to be working towards this role where you're really fairly self sufficient. Or maybe you play this in three player and the the other two investigators would be a pair, a, a fighter and a clue gatherer, and you'd be off doing your own thing. But we we had hinted, I believe, earlier on that while Guardian is a multiplayer class, and actually Guardian have now got at least a couple of cards that will only have an effect in multiplayer games. So yeah. teamwork and blackjack for instance. Not 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 team. And stand well together. yeah yeah teamwork and stand together as well. Yeah, of course. While Guardian may be multiplayer focused, perhaps Rogue will be more solo focused. And that leads us neatly onto the other card that Rogue got in Blood on the Altar, which is their 3 XP permanent talent streetwise. So this is a rogue talent. It's uh, 3 XP and it's a permanent. So we don't have to pay to play it and it starts the game in play. It has two uh, free action triggers. Uh, The first is spend two resources, you get plus three intellect for this skill test. The second is spend two resources and you get plus three agility for this test. So it's it's a super-powered stat booster because it's it's giving us plus three for the skill test even if it's costing us two resources so jenny is happy to pay two she mitigates some of the cost for it just naturally by being jenny lone wolf jenny is laughing about this really because she if she only takes one boost in a turn she's generating she's still generating a profit in resources but what's really interesting about streetwise i think is what you just said about the sort of the the big boost and I think in keeping with Rogue wanting to they have lots of effects that trigger off being plus two over but also they generally want to do things in a swingy way where they go for sort of big turns or pay for a very expensive ally or or something like that pay for a 
for an event like Backstab that's expensive but can do three damage in one hit. This brings both of her stats up to six when she boosts, right? Yeah. Which which is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's really good. Have you tried this in your Jenny deck yet? I have, yes. How did it go? And it went well. It's so what's interesting is the stats that it's boosting boosting. It's boosting intellect and it's boosting agility. In previous Jenny builds of mine, I've been leaning more down towards the combat role and sometimes really wished I could do a bit more investigating. And this obviously, you could almost rely on this as your only investigation support card if you wanted to in a Jenny build because you're getting an intellect of six which rivals uh, Daisy with Dr. Milan Christopher out. So you can fairly reasonably pass any investigation check or any parlay check or things like that. So that that alone, if it only had this get three intellect boost on it, I still think it would probably be a powerful card for just supporting a class that doesn't have that much support for investigation straight out of the out of the door, out of the gate. Straight out of the gate. I don't know if that's <laughs> an expression. It's early in the morning. But then also it gives you this big agility boost. So wants to lead you down that route where you're not relying purely on combat but you're having to think about how you can use your agility to best effect. So back into my decks went sneak attack. I toyed with pu- putting in pickpocketing. So if I'm going to evade an enemy, I'll maybe boost with streetwise to land the evade, get a card out of it from pickpocketing, then pay another two to do two damage to them with sneak attack and then move on or something like that. It also then, if you're if you're leaning on the agility stat, it then makes Cat Burglar feel a good choice as well because that gives you even more of a boost. You go up to agility seven when you play this. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's there's, there's not much you're going to fail when you're at agility seven if you're uh, unless you're particularly unlucky with your your token pulls. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. it, sh- it should be stressed as well. I mean, this is a comment that applies to all of the the permanent talents that that were in the pack, blood on the altar. But it being permanent is such a boon for deck building because you, you never have to rely on, on getting the card first and playing it. So you can certainly rely on the stats, the stat boost you get. So if you want to rely on this card for investigation, for, for boosting your intellect, then you can do. You know, you don't have to worry that I can only investigate once I've managed to find my streetwise, which is one card in a deck of 30, 30 to five. 30 to 35 cards yeah quite right so go back to your example about in the core set if you've bought this going into midnight masks the first thing you can do is go to a high shroud location early in the scenario you don't even have to wait and you can start investigating there reliably and you're not you're not having to make sure you've got the right cards set up or think about a turn preparing you can just set out and go jenny will pay for this comfortably and it's already in play, so you don't need anything else. And if you run into an enemy, because Streetwide also boosts your agility, you have a way of dealing with that situation immediately without having to say, well, I haven't got my machete out or my switchblade out and I'm in trouble now. You can just go, right, I'm just going to evade them and move on. Obviously, you can run into some difficulties in that scenario with getting swamped, but from the get-go, it basically shines such a 
a clear focus for Jenny on how she should be behaving. And I think it's really impressive in a way that it does that. So my closing thought about these two is that they provide a great amount of support for Jenny Solo, that between the two cards, they kind of cover two statistics for you entirely. So you can use your five off-class cards to cover other gaps for Jenny or boost other statistics if you wanted to. And they also are just such a boost for those for those two statistics themselves that it, you can almost not worry about that statistic for, uh, with other cards in your deck. And I just think that's great. That's really exciting. Uh, I saw a little conversation on Discord where someone said, so is Jenny the go-to investigator for solo now? I thought that would be, that'd be good if that's the case. That's exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with that as well. Jenny with, with two... Uh, two lone wolves in there, and uh, once she picks up Streetwise, she's pretty much ready for anything, isn't she? Yeah, and and if you if you have adaptable as well, you can you can be like you hinted in the first esoteric devices episode. You can be basically tweaking whatever your off class cards are if you want to, or you can be shifting just a few card the balance of some of the cards in your deck to really play into Streetwise once you have it in play. Yeah, the opportunities are vast. Cool. Okay. 